Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Dearest in the Lord, with warm heart I offer my friendship and my greetings to you in the name of our Lord. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, uh, episode number 52 with Alexander Moneypenny and the intellectually superior Ints. Thank you, mate. <laughs> you wouldn't, You're welcome. You wouldn't know we came up with that together literally just now, would you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, how you doing, mate? How's it going? Yeah. Oh, mate. I'm. I'm absolutely. I'm gassed. Yeah. I'm, I'm great. I'm yeah. so excited to delve into this. You know. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm absolutely buzzing. I literally. I was thinking like, we we normally record these sort of you know an hour or so after the game or the following day, and literally the whole last hour I've just been thinking I can't wait to get into this game. And I mean, what a game! And yeah. you know, also. <laughs> It's 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 a really impressive result in terms of you know the last time Arsenal beat a team away from home in the Premier League who were in the top four at the time of us playing them was September 2015. So I don't think it should be massively underplayed like how big a result that is, especially after a European mm. fixture, grueling European fixture. Okay, we had some rotation. rotation. But yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing to get into this because what a performance! Willian got man of the match, Brad. Mate, unreal! I thought he was brilliant today. I think uh, it's important to kind of preface it with the fact that Chelsea fans have told us since we signed him that, you know, he'll drop a 10 out of 10 and then go missing for four months. So we've just got to hope. And for me, I just really hope he continues this vein of form going forward. And look, even if he does till the end of the season, I still think it's smart to get out while we can, purely because of his age. And then if he has a slow season next season, we then are stuck with that third season because where are we going to move him on to? But if he can start picking up form like this for the rest of this year, it gives us such an ability to rotate in coming into the league with like being able to take out, say if we if we um, had Saka on the right and, and Smithrow on the left and Erdegaard in the centre for the European nights and then for the league, completely swapped out those two wings. It would be brilliant for us. Mm, yeah, I thought William was fantastic today. I mean, he actually, you know, all jokes aside, he really deserved that man of the match. I thought he kept the ball really well in that final third. He combined well. Um, and he, yeah, obviously, had. I think he had most chances created. I think he was up there in terms of uh, pass accuracy. And yeah, he was, he, he, I think he, he's kind of that progression player, kind of that glue in the final third. He's not going to win your games. He's not going to produce a moment of magic and, and smash it top bins. But what he is, he is someone who can keep that ball in the final third, keep the, keep the structure of the side. He's an intelligent, tidy footballer. And when he's playing like that, he's useful. And I think it's about finding finding his use use more and more and more. And, and hopefully, you know, something like this is about, you know, is a confidence builder and is a confidence booster for him. So um, it's, you know, it's it's really good news for us, to be honest. It's sort of the best thing that could have happened. Um, while we're on left wingers, we should talk about Harvey Barnes. Hope he reco- recovers well. 100%. Um, I mean, he's been someone I've been looking at this season thinking you know, potentially for us and hopefully, you know, for England and stuff, because he's been absolutely fantastic and he's he's a exciting, exciting player. He's not afraid to take people on. Sensational. Um, yeah, so sending all our best to Harvey Barnes, who I'm sure is listening, along with Brendan Rogers, going, These boys, they've got great character. They're fantastic, wonderful <laughs> podcasters. Um <laughs> uh, from the left Love to that. the right wing. Uh Ooh, there's a political joke sumptuous. here, but gonna make it. Pepe. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, Pepe was, had another fantastic game. I think he, uh, stat man, stat man Penny here, but Pepe, where are we? He's uh, scored four goals in his last seven Premier League starts. Um, I thought he did Unreal. 
he did an ex- excellent job. And I think we were talking just before about the um, Cedric overlapping and it just provides him, I think as we've always said, Pepe is better in that sort of inside channel, almost playing the opposite to Aubameyang where Aubameyang's best in those sort of, you know, just outside the box. And it, and it yeah. proved really useful for us today. And I think that's why we saw an uptake in performance when he was on that left-hand side because it was so obvious that there was an instruction for Tierney to hug the byline and whip crosses in, which allowed Pepe to kind of sit in that half space that he he loves, sit in that channel, work his way in and become more of a goal threat. And having somebody in Cedric who dovetailed either on the underlap or the overlap, depending on what was necessary, it was just a massive, massive level up for us. And it isn't a surprise. And for me now... Cedric has to start going forward in all of the important games for the season. So uh, I want him starting in the Europa League games. I want him starting in in the big games in the league that we obviously need to try and win or not get embarrassed in or whatever, because I just think he offers us more. I don't think he's the answer moving forward. I think he's a six out of 10 right back at best. But he will he at least offers us that six out of ten every time. And he's always there. Whereas I think with Bellerin, he can either be like a seven out of ten right back or a two out of ten right back. Uh, and one thing that really showed this for me was there was a compilation of goals scored against Arsenal in the last five or so games. Uh on I was just watching on a on a stream, on uh, the stream that I was watching, and genuinely about 75% of You the made goals. that sound so dodgy somehow. I mean, it, it was. It, it, it is illegal it was, streaming. Um, it, it was, was just, just a... a um, it was a... Um, a uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but like 75% of those goals are coming from situations where like Bellerin is at fault. And he's yeah. either lost his man who's run inside or he's played a poor ball in the final third. Mm. That's led to a counter. And, mm. you know, we just cannot afford to have that in our in our starting 11 anymore for for games against teams that will really really punish you and yeah. we were punished in the first minute or well see, for six yeah. minutes or so but we'll get on to that and you see the benefit of having Cedric I mean you watch that second third goal sorry where Pepe scores Cedric running down that right hand side and not cutting in as better might have done um pulls Soyuncu and I think it's maybe Evans or something I don't know pulls them just that tiny bit out so Erdegaard finds the space for Willian and Pepe's in there in the end and you don't realise that the benefit of having overlapping fullbacks or players who can do both I, I don't want to you know go to town on Bellerin because he didn't play you know so uh, but the 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 idea of that the idea that you have people who'd like Tini who can cut in and also overlap as well I'm sure there is an instruction for the right back to to, to cut in a bit more but yeah, I think when Pepe's playing, having that overlapping fullback just helps him so much because it makes him, it puts him in the positions where he's dangerous. And today, I think Leicester really, really struggled. Really, really struggled. But one thing I think you have to, one thing on that that you have to, I think, take into consideration is instructions will always be given upon the, like, based on the quality of the player. And one of the reasons that Hector might be told to cut in more is because we know that it would be a wasted delivery if he went on the overlap and tried to whip a ball in kind of eight times out of 10. We know it's going to be a poor ball. So we're not in the kind of instruction room. We're not in that space where we can understand fully why Mikel Arteta instructs in uh, kind of his players to do what they do. But maybe, and that's just a little little theory posed as to maybe why you constantly see him on the underlap, even though we might prefer having him on that kind of overlap. I love the I love the as a clarify that we're not in the in the instruction room. As if anyone was listening to this tactic going uh, listen to this podcast going, these boys they must be in Arteta's tactics room. I mean it's it's very good. They must be in there. They must be there. <laughs> these boys. Um it's Brendan, he's still there going Fantastic. I'm gonna write this down for the next time we play. Uh, <laughs> um okay so yeah um Moving on from that, kind of moving into the game then. Uh, I don't really want to do a lineup thing particularly. I mean, it was, I didn't have much to say on it. I thought it was a, it was a understandable to try and give Saka a rest. I mean, I wish we'd rested him against City, to be honest, but, you know, it worked out in the end. So, again, you know, if if, if we'd lost this game, we'd be going, but it, it worked. So let's, you know, let's pretend that uh, that was fine. Um, and, you know, Aubameyang rested as well. But also, we, you know, 
it ended up with us having a really, really strong bench, actually. Mm, yeah. And I think that's something that's really, really useful for us and actually helped us to see out the game, I think, bringing on, you know, the idea that we could bring on party, Erdegaard and Aubameyang. Do you know what I mean? Like and that's still a, that's have a really strong, Saka. Keeps the pressure up. And Martinelli. Uh, Martinelli and, yeah, exactly. Sabayos, so, yeah, I, maybe I, I am not after The only thing I will say... Hmm, um, what I will say on, on the, li- uh, the lineup in terms of the bench, though would be Nelson and Nketiah. They're still not there. I don't really want to have like a long conversation about their futures at the club because I feel like it's not particularly relevant right now. But it is notable. Like I, I do think it's important to mention that they're not even making the squad. They weren't playing midweek. Uh, I know Nelson's been playing some games for the under-23s, but someone like Nketiah, you're wondering, you know, surely he should be getting on the bench at least, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being unfair. Was he on the bench for the Benfica match? In Ketia. I'm just googling it now, just to be. Have sure. a little look, but yeah, I just, I just think it's notable. It's important to 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 point that out because I think sometimes we just see the lineup and go, oh, you know, great, you know, we focus on who's been dropped or whatever. But it's also notable who isn't there. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's it, it's just interesting, and I think hopefully it will, you know, come back at some point and we can have a longer discussion about it. Um, but moving on to the game then, I mean, again, we kind of, I think I said the stat at the beginning about, you know, how many goals we've conceded in the, uh, in the first couple of minutes, 63% of the goals Arsenal have conceded this season have come in the first half. We're again in that 12 PM Sunday morning slot after a Thursday and listen, Leicester played, played as well, but, and I, and I say all that. But I don't think that contributes to the goal as much as we think it does. No, Pablo Mari didn't play on Thursday. Um, El Nani did El Nani, El Nani didn't play on Thursday, uh, and uh, was it he did. Goal? He came off the bench. Okay, but you know, um, El Nani got like ten minutes off the bench. Xhaka did, but you know, the, the players mostly involved in that mistake weren't playing. You know, certainly didn't play ninety minutes on Thursday. So I, I don't really buy the whole or they're tired or whatever. It is interesting though that we have conceded another goal very, very early and it seems to be contributing to a um, a pattern. In terms of the goal itself, before we discuss the kind of wider pattern, I, don't, I wasn't a massive fan of the BT Sport um, commentary on it. Like, I, th- I felt as though if you watch the goal from that kind of reverse angle, if you watch if, as, though, as though the players are running towards you, it, I think it's just a confusion. Xhaka hasn't got the pace to keep up as with, to who, with, with um and who should press with Tielemans. Yeah. Pablo Mari thinks he's covering Vardy. David Luiz doesn't communicate with him to say he's got Vardy. And then he should have gone out to to get get Ianacho. Xhaka probably should have tried a bit harder to get in, but he probably thinks it's one of those kind of too many chefs. Do you know what I mean? If it was just one player, it's it's the it's the Mustafi moment in um in the City match in the. Uh, when Gabby Jesus wins the header at the front post, yeah, all the all the you know, thing. it's that moment where in the reverse fixture against this, yeah, and where they they literally every I think everyone just assumes that the other person's just going to do it. I think the main fault is probably with Mari and El Nenny because one of them does just need to make the decision to either cover the shot angle or press the man, and I would place personally the blame on El Nenny. Because Mari's thinking he's covering Vardy. El Neni's just stood there. And I think this is, and this is something that I was, I texted you about that, for example, we've sent somebody like Torreira on loan to Atletico Madrid, where he's not getting starting minutes. He's not really getting a lot of minutes. And we've kept somebody like El Neni. When they both do roughly the same job, I just think Torreira does it better. You know, there is a reason that, Atletico Madrid wanted him on loan. And I think that that, it just, the more minutes that El Nani plays, the more I'm like, well, what, like, we've got Torreira, and obviously I know Guendouzi doesn't play the same role, but we've got two central midfielders out on loan who arguably are just better, like technically and kind of footballistically, uh, like with their ability to like, just think, think intellectually about the game. I just think that they're better players. They seem to make smarter decisions. And it just it just I guess that's just the one frustration for me that I'm like, we've got somebody on the pitch who's contributing to this, constantly conceding early goals when we've got two players out on loan that are better. 
So on that conceding early goals thing, like, what do you think that is? Because I don't buy it massively as fatigue. Like these players, no. that, 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 we've rotated. I think we made six changes. You know, Mari came into the back line. Okay, Xhaka's tired and he gave the ball away. But equally, Xhaka's got a fucking engine. Like, you know, he's fine. I don't think, I, I think excusing that as a tiredness thing, or we're always just a bit tired. I don't, and you know, it's early morning or whatever. I, I, I think is a factor. But I think there must be something more because this is this is a, something that we're constantly. I mean, is it the? Game? I think it's fear. Maybe I. Th- I think yeah. I think it's now got into a situation where players, the players themselves. I don't know this again. Massive conjecture klaxon on this. Warning: conjecture ahead. With the way that things have been going, you know, we conceded early goals against uh, Villa. For for one, with the mistake from Cedric, I just think that we're in that defensive phase in the first 10 minutes. We haven't built into the game enough. We haven't got a foothold straight away. And I think because there has been um, some earlier mistakes, players are now so nervous to make the wrong decision that they end up making a... Yeah, and it hurts us anyway. So I think, and I don't know whether that's, I'd say that's probably what the issue was today is that none of them wanted to make the decision to be the one to press the player just in case, you know, Mari doesn't want to do it just in case Vardy's free and Elneny doesn't want to do it just in case he's let somebody go and all of these things. So I think that's probably played a part in today, Mm. maybe. I think think it's a really, really interesting thing going forward. I think that's really astute and and something that kind of backs that up. Only Man City with nine have conceded fewer second half goals than Arsenal with ten this season. We do have a first half bias thing, and I, you know I wonder it could be anything. It could be you know overload of tactical information from Mikel. It could be um, you know just as you say pure fear. It could be a whole combination of it. But I do think it's interesting. I think it's something that we should try and address. Something you know just keeping it simple, keeping it early. And I think when the goal went in, and this is why I think you're actually probably onto something there. When the goal went in there felt like a uh, from us there felt like a marked change in the you know less touches were being taken there was more we pressed slightly higher up the pitch i do think there is probably some kind of fear based thing there but yeah yeah it's 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 really really interesting um you know we're 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 markedly markedly better um in, in the second half which is interesting um yeah, I, I thought sort of in the early stages, again, Louise felt a bit casual to me. I think he kind of sets a tone sometimes um, of just, I don't know. And it's it's not that he's lackadaisical, but he kind of, he sort of strolls around a little bit, especially, you know, when we're 1-0 down or we're 0-0, it's the first couple of minutes of the game. I would love to see Louise, and he's 33, Leopards don't change their spots, but I would love to see Louise, because I actually think he had quite a good game today, pushing, pushing us forward, pushing us up the pitch. I think sometimes when we're building up and something that I've seen, and again, it could be fatigue. Something that I've seen is we, when party comes on in the second half, he's one touch there, one touch, move it, one touch forward, progressive pass. And it sets a tone. It sets a really good tone when we're building up and he, his aura and his presence almost forces up, forces us five yards up the pitch and also to, to, to start playing it one touch stuff. And I think Louise and Mari a slightly and I think part of the reason we had a bit of a slow start I'd love to get your take on it is just they're just slightly happy to just keep it and I think there's a difference between keeping it solid and 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 calm in the first in the first you know, sort of 10 minutes to you know settle into the game and just slowing the game down like I think mm. there's a fine line there I think it's also maybe we needed uh for kind of one of a bet a phrase like some youthful exuberance in that back line yeah. Somebody like Saliba or Gabriel that we've seen a few times do those things that you mentioned, break forward, dribble past two or three opposing players and then pass the ball off. Somebody to just push that line up five, 10 yards. And maybe that's what this lineup was lacking. You know, maybe we should have had a, a Rob Holding, a Saliba, a, 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 um, a Gabriel in there. But I do think kind of as the game went on, the partnership was vindicated. I think both of them played very well. I was really, really pleased with both of them. Um, and after what was, you know, that shaky first 10 minutes where we conceded the goal, we then built up um, very, very, very well. And, and that, 
Yeah, and that led to the penalty. You know, I think Leicester yeah. Leicester was shutting us down really well. Um, there was very little space. Um, but then I think Willian the one that wasn't Lacka's, given, or the one that was, the one that wasn't. Willian, Willian and Lacka were dropping a little bit deeper. Um, and then I think from there we started to build up some nice combinations. Lacazette and Pepe were com- combining well down the right hand side again, helped by Cedric. Mm-hmm. And that led to the the penalty that wasn't given. What was your what was your feeling on that? Uh, my take on it is kind of by the letter of the law, it's not a penalty. Ndidi is the one that's made the contact that's caused Pepe to go over. But I think for me, the frustration is... Ndidi is. <laughs> the frustration for me was the leg left out by Tielemans. In that I, uh, from like what I'm looking at, Pepe's not fully going down after that contact from Ndidi. Still trying to run forward. And then it's having to leapfrog over the leg of Tielemans that has obviously forced him. Like there's nothing else he can do. He can't get, he's, his body's, uh, body weight has gone one way. He's tried to angle it another way and there's another hurdle to jump. So a while the foul is committed outside of the box, the fact that Tielemans has gone unpunished for, in essence, obstructing the opponent's opportunity to chase through that. I know it's not a penalty and I'm being very pedantic and people will call me, oh, you're just trying to find an excuse. It's not a penalty. It's just frustrating that things like that are in the game where Pepe isn't going down until he has to leapfrog that second leg. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there has to be something within that that stops that from happening because he's then one-on-one with Kasper Schmeichel and... My girlfriend calls him Caspish Michael, <laughs> which I love. Um, the uh, yeah, I, I have to be honest. I when I saw it, when I first saw it, I thought dive. I thought <laughs> mm, he's flung himself a little bit there. But and, and to be honest, I can't see loads of contact from Ndidi. Um, and you know, indeed, he goes down. But like the, there's such a stupid joke. I need to stop making it. The one I did before didn't even make grammatical sense. No. Um, and you know, indeed, Pepe goes down. But like the, I don't know. I just don't see much contact. And uh, to, yeah, I think it's just a really good, good example of good refereeing, good VAR. Oh use. yeah, one hundred percent. You know, when we 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 can criticize it all we, and we will. We should criticize it. That's not. It's not a. You know, we we can criticize it all we like. We should criticize it when it make when it's wrong. But you know, Kieran Tierney's dad did a great job, and, and VAR sort of um, sorted it out. So yeah, it's um, he's called Paul Tierney. It's just I know, I know. Joke. I need to, I need to move on. <laughs> yeah, um, you do. So- you do. <laughs> well, to be fair, I think VAR, and I feel though the referee was a bit lackluster in handing out cards, especially in the first half. I thought he did a decent job today. Same with VAR. Because the thing is, is I think we've criticised referees a lot, and rightly so. You're looking at Lee Mason telling the Brighton players they can take a free kick. Lewis Dunk takes it and scores it. And then, you know, so referees rightly should be criticised when they make mistakes and should be forced to to kind of either face the consequences, face the press, like players have to. But, um, and while I think we can have a slight criticism of maybe, you know, Leicester players could have been given a few more yellow cards, looking at the stats, Kieran Tierney got a yellow card and committed one foul. Kelechi Iheanacho committed five fouls throughout the course of his time on the pitch. Didn't get carded. The same, you know, you're looking at like Soyuncu. There were a few dubious moments that I thought that definitely should have been a, a yellow. Thomas has committed three or four yellow card challenges. There's just a few moments where you're going, you need to get a foothold of this just brandish a yellow card to one of these players and then it will stop them from doing it. And I think, though, that's a very minor thing within the game that didn't really affect the get flow of the game so much, so it's not the end of the world. But I, I think, you know, the ref today deserves a, f- a decent amount of praise. I thought he did a, a decent job. I thought this is like acceptable levels. This is like, okay, this is fine. This is not great yeah. refereeing. This is fine. This should be the bare minimum. Yeah. This shouldn't be, we're going, oh, do you know what? That was good today. No, he just didn't, he wasn't fucking shit. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, while we're, on, while we're on this, I think the Brighton thing yesterday was really interesting. And I, I said something yesterday, which I, I'd love to say now is like, I would love to see referees or a, a spokesman for the, for the referee association whatever it's called is it pgmol or something um the 
some kind of spokesman coming out after the game and speaking to Sky, speaking to BT. If you know, if they don't want the ref to come out, that's fine, protect the refs and whatever. But a spokesman coming out and say, hey, yeah, you know, this incident happened. We're very aware of it. Um, but if you look at Rule seventy two of the, you know, this page, blah blah blah, and that's it, and that's a statement. It's not a question. It's a, that's what's happened. Or they come out and go, referee got that wrong. We apologise to Brighton. We move on. The 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 silence is the problem. The si- the lack of accountability is the problem. Yeah, and. I think people people accept when things go wrong, but if you're a Brighton fan, you're in the middle of a relegation scrap and silence, you'd be fuming. You'd be absolutely fuming because you're going, we've scored a goal and it's been ruled out. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, I'm not sat here saying I know the rules, it's right or wrong, whatever. I don't. But the referee, there's, there's silence. So how can you, you know, so there's no accountability, which is... it's the, the thing is, is it is the fault of the referee. It is the fault of the referee because what he's done is uh, Lewis Dunk has asked, can he take the free kick? The referee's blown once, said yes, blown once for him to take it. He's just kicked it in the back of the net and scored. And then before the ball crosses the line, he blows his whistle a second time. And that is why they've... Um, and that's not had an impact on the game. You can see the goalkeeper still scrambling across because they obviously weren't ready for the free kick to be taken. Um, you can see the goalkeeper still scrambling across when he blows that second whistle to try and get the ball out of the like to try and save it. But categorically, it's a goal. You have allowed the the you have allowed them to take the free kick. It is it, if it's a mistake, that's fine. But you have to live with that mistake. As in, like, you can't just reverse it. Mm, it's the same be, with, and, like... And be accountable for it. Exactly. It's the same with the David Luiz thing. As in, like, once they made that decision, they couldn't 10 minutes later go, actually, David, come back on. We're going to chalk the penalty off. Or at half time, they didn't have a meet. Do you know what? Because once it's done, it's done. That's, like... And they just, as a, I think as an association, need to start swallowing pride. I think there's a lot of pride and like self-importance in this. And when you make a mistake, it's shit, but you do. So accept it. Like they're only human. And the issue is, is if we, if they accepted accountability and acted more like just a normal person who's made a mistake, then people wouldn't get as angry as they do, but it's because they act and the association act like this godlike, holier-than-thou select amount of people. When realistically, it's a bunch of 50-year-old men who aren't fit enough to keep up with the pace of the game anyway. So mm. what's... Yeah. Like, I don't understand why refs are as old as they are. It's. I think there's going to be a huge revolution because, fairly soon like, in terms of... There they really should be a massive revamp yeah, into the refing system in this country. Um. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought Cedric was doing really well in the tight spaces on the right-hand side, something that Bellerin doesn't really offer us. Um, something I want to highlight as well, there was a shot from Barnes, maybe. Leno releases it, and it's so fascinating to watch how the team responds to kind of those kind of moments. Kieran Tierney is racing up, and you've got like Pepe kind of ambling, Xhaka kind of ambling, and any kind of ambling. So if, if, for example, Aubameyang and Saka are on the pitch, they're also within, they're running up. And I think sometimes we we miss those opportunities to counterpunch in games because we're not switched on. We're not in that mode. or We don't have the players who have that kind of awareness. And they're just sort of going, oh, fuck, you know, glad we got through that. And Tini is already thinking, right, we can, we can take advantage of this. It's a small mentality shift, but it's really important. While we're on Tini, something that I noticed in the game, and I know you 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 have something to say about Xhaka, don't you, Bradley? Um, I Something that I struggle with with Xhaka, especially when we were trying to score that equaliser, was he constantly either plays the ball behind or, or too far in front of people. He either over or under hits passes so much, and it's really frustrating to watch. He does it with Tierney so much, and, and I think Xhaka has uh, improved a lot. He's in a really good vein of form. He's a really important player for our system. He's perfect for the way we build build up. He's not the best player in the world. He's not the most athletic player in the world, but he's good. He's low on the priority list for me at the moment. But he, for me, the next phase or the next thing he needs, he needs to start doing is stop slowing down our counters because he constantly plays. If we if we got on the left hand side, he will play it in front or behind of the left back either sh- shutting down the the uh, the 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 counter either way or the left winger and it's something that i see over and over and over again and it just needs to practice it <laughs> like cuz that's his role like he needs to he's if he's in a transition he gets the ball 
he will do it. So he needs to practice it. So, yeah, I think I have a, a little retraction to make about Granite Xhaka. Uh, you made a point um, a couple of episodes ago about him and whether he could become kind of our Jordan Henderson type character. And that he's not the best footballer uh, for Granite. That's athleticism. And for Jordan Henderson, I think that's technical ability. But can offer the team a lot in mentality, in fight, in being almost a perfect system player, depending on the system and depending on the partners. And I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I don't think it has to be from a from a starting sense. Like, perfect for me going forward would be to keep him, but not as a guaranteed regular starter starts 38 games of a Premier League season. But I thought he was absolutely sensational today. Um, his game by numbers, one key pass, uh, 87.1% accuracy of his passes, uh, 70 passes as well, the most in our squad. Uh, four out of six accurate long balls, five tack no three tackles. Sorry, f- uh, was fouled four times, had eighty five touches, won two aerial duels, got two interceptions, one clearance, one block shot. Like he was doing everything today in the middle of the park, and I think as a system player and as a rotational option, maybe if we had three central midfielders, like your let's say party. Xhaka and then just because he's on loan and like currently a member of the club Gwenduzi say you have those three options and you chopped and changed who you played or whatever I wouldn't mind that I just don't think that he should be part of a set two but I think that it's a massive I think there should be a massive retraction from me and from a lot of Arsenal fans who wrote this man off when he's been essential to Mikel Arteta's kind of style of play, way of playing in the last kind of couple of months and genuinely has been brilliant. So yeah, I'm going to eat some humble pie on that. I never thought I'd see the day. Bradley Adams says he likes Granite Xhaka. It's unbelievable. It's yeah, unreal I think for sure. It's fucking can unreal. I just, before I come back on that, can I just say something funny? So Aaron, as in Aaron Catterson reed has just texted me saying he's just woken up. <laughs> So he's missed the whole game. <laughs> what are you doing, Aaron? <laughs> Chris. Um, he's, he's had a head, he said he had a heavy night. He was watching Pineapple Express at 7am. Um, <laughs> this is fucking Chris. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, I think I've said before on this podcast, like, Xhaka in the right system, for, especially for like a foreign club, is like a £40 million player and I stick by it. He has many poor moments and put him in the wrong system put him on like you know as like the 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 base player of like an attacking 4-3-3 and you're looking at a disaster oh. but stick him on the right on the left hand side of like a 4-2-3-1 as we were today he's 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 got a really 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 good um football brain and he you know he can be excellent um but he just yeah i think i think yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of Arsenal fans who need to eat a bit of humble pie. And actually, that left-hand side was was really... Sorry, go on. I do think what he offers us as well in this kind of 4-2-3-1 system is such tactical flexibility. Because what I saw happening a lot this game especially was you had both fullbacks marauding up the pitch and then Xhaka dropping into that almost like central centre-back role. And we were playing with like three centre-backs with him almost being the distributor, like the quarterback of the team. Elneny doing kind of some free roam pressing and, you know, players up the pitch doing other things, but more on just like that defensive shape. He offered us such an option to kind of flip how many people were going forward and we could create so many more overloads and so many different things that, like you say, on a left side of a 4-2-3-1, um, especially as long as it's a pressing system where all of those players further up the pitch are trying to win the ball back higher, press further up the pitch, and there's not as much need for a kind of just uh, lights out defensive midfielder. He's brilliant. Like he was sensational today. When he's got the when he's got the game in front oh. of him, yeah, for sure. When, when he's got the game in front of him, he is a, he's a, he's a really really good player. Like we let's not. Beat around the bush. And if he had like 20% more athleticism, he would be sensational. 
Like he would be a 50, 60 million pound centre midfielder if he could just yeah. run yeah. a bit more. Like yeah. it would be... He has his brain dead brilliant. moments, but yeah, for sure. And we were looking dangerous down that left-hand side. Um, we had the the free kick, uh, which led to the goal with the Willian assist. Really well-worked free kick. Um, I think we've only scored like three goals from set pieces, which is like the worst in the league or, or four now because of that goal. So it's really good to get a goal from set piece and from like a well-worked set piece, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely coming. <laughs> I've just got on my notes. Yeah. Willian has been dot 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 good yeah i've i've, I've <laughs> so, so he's <laughs> the first thing on my notes is no martinelli question mark william question mark and then four like three or four notes later it's just william good william good <laughs> well he's now got like, one more assist this season than hakim ziyech in all competitions now don't give me context ziyech has played every game ignore ignore it what about um, what about kai havertz uh, probably more. He's probably got more. I think he's got more assists than Messi in the last two games. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love how you can use stats. Therefore, he's a better player. Any, any narrative is great. Oh, yeah. Of um, course you fucking can. Of course you fucking can. But speaking, speaking of narratives, like it does annoy me, like watching BT Sport, you know, they're before, you know, we concede the goal and it's, well, you know, they're close to the relegation zone and these guys are tired and, you know, Arsenal, well, where, where are they going this season? We score a goal. We get that second with the great penalty from Lacazette and it's definitely a handball. I'm glad it was used that way. There's no real debate about that. Yeah, 100%. Um, Watson, indeed, he's like a dab or something. Really strange. I'm not going to make the joke. Um, Because he's like trying to, I think he's like trying to like, he's trying to get his leg up higher. So maybe he's like trying to fucking force that shit up. Does that get your leg higher? Putting your arms up? (laughs) Yeah. Mate, you should know this. I've, I've seen you doing it in jazz for three oh, years. That's what we on. always used to do, wasn't it? Yeah, you just want a bit of a flick. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a great. I mean, it was a great and it was a great um, goal from Lacazette and well taken. And I'm really happy for Lacazette because I think he's he's gone under the radar slightly this year. He's done really, really well. Um, and he, yeah, he 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 put it away really well. And I think again, as I say, the narrative immediately switches. Well, Arsenal are in control here, and you know they've done so well, and and it's vindicated the climbing changes up the table and, and climbing up the table. It's just so quick to kind of change it. Um, uh, yeah, I think the only real negative from the first half was Smith Rowe going off. Yeah, real shame. I precautionary maybe. I like. It didn't, I don't think it was as serious as the Barnes one, per se, because, you know, it wasn't stretched off. It wasn't, no, it's not. So maybe it's just a muscle pull. Maybe it's even... It could have just been a dead leg and because of the amount of athleticism that we needed think, in that. I think Arteta said it was a muscular... I think Arteta said it was a muscular thing. There's a tweet from... Um, you know, like, Doctor, who, like, covers Arsenal. I don't know what his name is. He's... Um, oh, Dr. Uh, Rajpal Bra, DPT. Uh, regarding ESR's muscular injury, the player looked to be signaling to his inner groin area, which could indicate an abductor injury, very common in footballers. If so, availability depends on severity. These can be sensitive. Depth with Odegaard now key. We'll have a video update ASAP, so go follow him if you want to learn more about Arsenal's injury record. Um, but yeah, so looks like a muscular thing, and Arteta said it was a muscular thing. So, you know, hopefully it's not too long out. And to be honest... Hopefully it's not too long, yeah. Odegaard did great. I mean, he had some lovely flicks. He had one moment where he played the ball back and gave them a counter but apart from that he had some lovely moments um and that led to the goal in the second half he just has an elite mentality he just does like there's there's a moment where 3-1 up uh, it's like the 70 something minute pepe's through he's got i think it's armati from their team uh, on him and pepe's doing some skills and Erdogan is sc- like screaming for the ball and gesturing to feet because he's open on the right hand side and uh, Pepe loses the ball to him, and you like you just see how like angry and exacerbated he is that part, but that Pepe hasn't passed him the ball, and that is the kind of mentality that we need more in players. Because I think you know, moving forward squad wise, there are probably like six to eight players that need to be moved on, and when we look to refresh those players, we we need to look for players with that killer mentality yeah, that are going to be so pissed off when they don't get those opportunities. For sure. Absolutely for sure. Um, Yeah. So uh, we had a weird moment with um, the heart in the mouth when he, when he he played it back to, I think it was Indeedy or someone. Uh, But yeah, it was, I mean, a great touch for the goal out to Willian. Really, really nice. And Willian got it through the legs and Pepe put it away. It's a really nice counter. Um, Again, Cedric overlapping. Really, really nice. 
And then I just thought from about sort of 65, 70 minutes, Leicester basically gave up. I think Barnes going off didn't help them. Vardy looked out of form. Um, no, killed the game. I thought uh, they didn't have much at fullback uh, going on and they just looked a bit dead and sort of flat, really. Um, we were man-marking them in their build-up and then when when we broke, uh, well, when they brought it back to their keeper, we kind of came out and blocked the lanes. But I thought we were really, doing really, really well in terms of stopping them playing. Again, Party came on and I thought did really well just getting his playing some nice one-touch stuff. Willian had a lovely little burst. Um, Mari had a good moment on Vardy and I just thought we saw the game out really well um, squeezing up the pitch nicely um, the only- shame we didn't get the fourth yeah yeah If it just felt a bit tired by the end I think but yeah I, the only thing I want to say though really is the, I mean the only thing other thing really was about like the, the narrative around the injuries and stuff and it's been discussed post game and obviously mm-hmm. less and that's I think what kind of upset the flow of the game quite a lot was the injuries I mean, there's a part of me going... Leicester have been so unlucky, though. They really have, you know. They've, I, I, I read somewhere, and I'm not sure if it's entirely true. Let me just see if I screenshotted it. But they've had more injuries than, um, than Liverpool this season. Really? And they're the only team to stay within the top four for the whole season. Yeah. Let's have a look at... Let's have a look at screenshots. How much do they... I, I think I meant to text it to you. How much do they rotate for this game? Uh, well, okay. So they've got James Justin, who's out till uh, November 2021. Ricardo Pereira's missed 25 games this season. Dennis Pratt's out till April. Daniel Armati's missed 17 games so far this season. Cengizunda's missed four games. Madison's currently out. Indeedy missed six, 16 games this season. Vardy missed eight games. Johnny Evans missed eight games. Castagna missed 18 games. Fafana's currently out for four to five weeks. And Soyuncu missed something like seven or eight games at the start of the season. And they are the only club to currently have remained in the top four all season. They have been unlucky. That's crazy. They've been so unlucky. They didn't really rotate from their Thursday night massively. So I'm not... I don't think they can, though. I don't think they've got the... Like Some of their players are still out injured. Yeah. You're thinking, because they've got, they've got no Madison, uh, no Castagna, no Justin, no Fafana. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not blaming them, but I'm just, you know, I think we rotated quite heavily because of that reason. And it's, you know, I, I think like the... Yeah, I do have a lot of sympathy for them. I think, and it's also different. Like, obviously, I think that one of the reasons that Liverpool have been so off the pace this, this, this season is their injuries in the sense that they've lost three centre-backs. Whereas I think with Leicester, they've lost players fucking left, right and centre on like all areas of the pitch. So it's not yeah. even like, at least with Liverpool, Quite you could go... Quite literally left, right and centre. Yeah. With Liverpool, you could have gone, okay, well, they've lost their centre-backs, so they need to turn into their team of old where they just blitz teams, score six and concede five. Whereas with Leicester, you know, they've lost... Players from everywhere. They have been so, so, so unlucky this season. And to stay and be the only team that's stayed in the top four consistently is yeah, it's an impressive. unreal achievement by Rodgers. Yeah. yeah. Anything else on the game? Brad? Um, I, the, I think it goes back to a conversation that we were having, uh, I think, the last episode maybe, or the episode before about substitutions. At like the 65th minute, we were crying out for some pace on top. Because we were three one up, we um, we we that was pretty much game done for us, and we started to invite them to control the game, gave them the possession. We weren't looking to play like ridiculously possession based, expansive football, trying to just dominate. So we needed, uh, like I think the Aubameyang substitution was right. I was crying out for Martinelli because I was like, well, we're three one up; it doesn't really matter. If we get Martinelli, we give him 30 minutes. It's probably like good experience for the lad. Um, but it is starting to get on my nerves slash worry me that, you know, he always seems to be 10, 15 minutes behind where the substitution needs to be. You know, Aubameyang coming on in like the 82nd minute or something. When if he'd have come on in the 70th or even 65th, we could have scored a fourth. Because there were a few moments where we got the ball, you're just thinking long ball over the top for, for a runner to head onto and somebody with energy. And also what that would do is that would just cause Leicester to drop back five or 10 yards because they know 
that they've got somebody in Aubameyang or in Martinelli with a hell of a lot of pace that could exploit uh, a high line. So uh, I think that's a conversation that uh, I think is quite big. And I don't know whether we have it now or in, in another kind of talking points episode but yeah i think we've got a talking points episode coming up next week so we could do that i, th- I think just to kind of come back on it quickly I-, I i never know why arteta is bringing someone on like for example like abamyang not really sure why we had to bring him on um oh to god i get because of smith Rowe. party uh, is it f- yeah okay fitness maybe but kind of tactically i may and you listen as we say many many times we're not we haven't got the football brains of arteta but i i, I always miss the reason or or I rarely get let's say the reason why we're bringing someone on and at a specific time I think I think a criticism that was um leveled at Wenger was that often he would plan substitutions something Tim Stillman was talking about in the Arsenal Vision podcast and I think it's really true and like or I you know remembered it from when he said it and I thought yeah and it there's nothing wrong with having quite structured substitutions and going, okay, at this point we're going to, you know, 60 minutes, you know, the problem is, is getting that balance between respecting the game state and respecting plans for, okay, this player needs 30 minutes. Okay. You know, once, once we get to this point of the game, we'll change it this way or having substitutions that are like, right. If we are in this situation at this minute, we bring this person on, Um, you know, often you look back at teams of old and really, really good teams of old and they had, they had that kind of thing. If we're one nil down, chasing a game away from home, we do this. If we're, and it's difficult because I think sometimes we just feel like we're just throwing someone on. But then equally, I don't know the rationale, so I can't. Unless I hear the rationale or understand the rationale, which I'm sure there is one, I don't think I can comment on it. Really, it, it feels like a bit of a kind of. I don't really know. Do you know what I mean? I think most of the time he seems to make the right substitutions. They're just always a little late, as in why bring Lacazette off for Aubameyang in the 82nd minute? Because if it's fitness, we're already 3-1 up, bring him on in the 75th. Or And if it's fitness, bring on Martinelli, who hasn't played any minutes in like the last four or five games. So there's just a few kind of murmuring worries for me about the substitutions and the way that we're going about them at the moment. But again, I think this is a, Big conversation to have at another time. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you after this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Kalasanac and Mustafi lead rebellion against FC Schalke manager. Oh, for fuck's sake. Wait, what? <laughs> ESPN's Derek Ray reports that various German sources claim there's currently a player revolt ongoing against head coach Christian Gross. Build claim the rebel players at the forefront at are Serd Kalasnach, Klaasian Huntelaar and Skodran Mustafi. Uh, Schalke are rock bottom of the Bundesliga with a fairly sizable gap to the ne- nearest club so you can understand any unrest there might be among the squad. I mean, I do find it funny that Kla- Mustafi's coming in and just being like, get this clown out. Uh, but fair play if you're bottom of the league. I do find it quite funny. Uh, but yeah, that's just uh, something I thought I'd bring up. Um, we've had a question, Brad. Is it from... You know who it's from. Nathan Baroda, Nathan Baroda, Nathan Baroda. He says, Hello. Just caught up with last Friday's pod and can, and can confirm I am all okay. Yeah, Nathan's Nathan. not dead. Come on. We love it. I wanted to ask a slightly more holistic question on squad building and recruitment, etc. Do you think that the relative tidiness of Cedric... I'm definitely cursing an own goal tomorrow, aren't I? That was before the uh, Europa League game. You didn't, Nathan. Although, I'm pre- if anyone could curse it an, an own goal or any kind of goal, I believe it would be Nathan Baroda. And the decent signing of Louise could suggest that Arsenal fans are being slightly harsh on Kia. Of course, Willian being the elephant in the room... Maybe not after today, but anti-Kia sentiment started way before then. My view is that in the late Wenger era, we were too toothless in the transfer market, for example, Kante, because we were too conservative. Whereas by not totally ignoring super agents and having a balanced relationship with them, which arguably went too far the other way under Raul, can allow us to get better players. I think particularly about our failure to sign Schoeberg, which the Athletic attributes to fan concern about the influence of Kia. 
If he's able to shift Willian in the summer, should we think about bringing his clients back into the tent, but only if they fit our positional and tactical requirements and are approved by Stat DNA? Apologies for the ramble and the slightly controversial take. All the best, Nathan. This post was paid for and promoted by Kia Drabchian. <laughs> um, may I? Great question. It is Go a ahead, fantastic Brad. question. Uh, I think you're right and wrong at the same time. Oh, it's it's a weird 50-50 because uh, you, you you mentioned the Kante, the Kante situation and the reason that we signed Xhaka in the first place was Kante's agent apparently was demanding something around the 10 million pound euro mark to, to make the, the, the transfer happen, uh, which Wenger at the time said no to. So we moved on to Xhaka where there wouldn't be as high an agent fee or, uh, or whatever. And I think that that is an obvious situation where we should have just paid the 10 million. But I think relying entirely on agents that will do that will hurt us in the long run. It's about having a 50-50 approach to it, which is one reason like I I messaged you earlier in the week that I think dismantling the the scouting network to the level that we have, I don't know whether it's... I think think that, that there is something to be said for having at least, you know, a couple of scouts out there. And I mean, I don't know the fucking level of the backroom staff. There still might be. It's about kind of the 50-50. And I don't think we should have a personal relationship with any super agent uh, to bring more of a certain client's, um, to, mo- to, to bring more of a certain agent's clients to the club. Because you will end up with a situation like the having Suarez... Uh, I think Mar- I always say this that I think Pablo Mari's one, but I don't think he is. I think we've he's Arturo Canales. Yeah, uh, Willian, David Luiz, and it all depends how we move going forward. David Luiz shouldn't really get another contract at the club. He's aged out. We need to move on from him. Willian should be somebody that we move on from, and I think having a personal relationship with their agent and having him part of our recruitment process isn't good, especially when we're trying to maybe push out some of his clients. It is a 50, it is this kind of in, on the fence, in the middle way of working where we need to have somebody like Edu who has connections with hopefully lots of super agents who can work with all of them. I don't think having a, a specific connection or relationship with one super agent is healthy. But even then, I don't think we should be going for players just because or bringing players in just because they have an agent that we've worked with before. Because like we've seen with Willian, it's been three great games and 23 poor ones. So we'll see. But I'm hoping for me that we move to a more Edu is the person with the connections and is the one that uses them rather than having a super agent be a connection of the club if that makes sense it does yeah it will surprise no one to hear i think we should have a balanced relationship and i think nathan is right i think there has been a lot of anti-kia sentiment yeah to come back on that point i think it's really really true there's been a lot of anti-kia sentiment and anti kind of i think along with that has come a kind of fuck super agents kind of feel among the club and i understand that like where that's come from but firstly, I think that's based on a slightly false narrative that, you know, all, you know, Kia has ruined the club and he's, you know, bought in. And I think there was a, a worry about that, more of a concern, but, you know, that he's ruined the club. Willian, David Luiz, Cedric, they're not our best players, but they're fine. What You've got to look at his track record as well, though. Like the stuff and the rumblings about him and Inter Milan saying to the Inter Milan manager, if you don't play my players, I'm going to get you sacked and all this. Yeah. Like, that is worrying stuff. And I think that's why when it comes to Kia, it's very important because there are those rumblings to not have such a personal connection with him. Because a super agent is just defined by, is just an agent with what? Super, super clients. Powers. You're talking about an agent with... Kia Drabchian you know, can go invisible. Um, with your... Mina Raiola can transfigure you're talking himself. About a... <laughs> Fuck's sake. But you're just talking about manager, uh, like player managers or managers of players, or blah, 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 blah. you're just talking about people who have great clients on their books. Yeah. Not all of them are going to run like Kia and not all of them are going to run like Mina Raiola. That's fine. 
but just make sure you're not creating personal connections within the club with someone who has already been kicked out of working with Inter Milan because he was telling their manager that um, they're going to fucking get him sacked if he didn't play the clients. That's the issue. You need to make sure you're working with super agents that are good for the club and healthy for the club. And occasionally you might have to work with ones that aren't, but don't give them the keys to the castle. Mm. Arturo Canales can run really fast, so maybe we should work with the way he runs. I, I think there's a... <laughs> I think, yeah, as you, as you say, there's a balance and there's a, a thin line to be found. I think we should try as much as possible to be frank and honest and just go, listen, realistically, he's not ruined the club. And I think there was a real, real, real concern about that. And it kind of almost became a bit of a scapegoat a little bit for the underperformance of the club a little bit in terms of, you know, just blaming Kia for the reason we brought in bad players um, or players who, you know, maybe weren't the best short-term options. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, as, as I say, main point, it's about having a balanced relationship with these guys. As you say, Edu's got to have these connections. Um, and, you know, for example, the, the missing out on Huyberg, I think is a, is a shame because, you know, if he was someone we wanted to bring in, for example, with party or alongside party, and we didn't do that because the fans would riot, that's really stupid because we just miss out on a good player. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, 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 like any club, there's got, there's got to be a, a, a sensible approach and that's it. I think it's also about the, the profile of their players that you're bringing in. You know, William was wanted by MLS clubs and we brought him in. Hoiberg was obviously going to uh, bigger and better things than Southampton. If we'd have brought in Hoiberg, there wouldn't have been the same reaction as if we'd have brought in, I don't know who else is on Kia's books, but let's just say William 2.0. Mr. Incredible. Say we signed William and then we signed another William rather than... Do you know what I mean? It is massively about the players that, that, that we're bringing in from Maybe them. if we've got Frozen. Because if you're bringing in another 30... Or Spider-Man. Maybe. Or maybe, Superman. It would fucking sort us out, man. Who do you, which football agent do you reckon would have, like, which superhero? <laughs> I reckon Mino Raiola would have the big boys. He'd, Mino Raiola would have, would have Batman. That's who he'd have. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Kia would have, like, the sort of, like, you like, Wonder Womans and stuff. The sidekicks. Um, yeah. This, yeah, oh, yeah, well. he'd have the Robins. Um, that was that was we, really unfortunate timing for you to say Wonder Woman and me to say the sidekicks at the same time because that looks really yikes. sexist. Well, Brad, maybe <laughs> you should check yourself. I was saying the sidekicks before. <laughs> I'm going to edit that to make. I'm going to edit that to make it look like you <laughs> check myself before I wreck myself. We've also had another email in, Brad, from rtmichelle13 at suddenlink.net to the different not at gmail.com. She says, Dearest in the Lord, with warm heart, I offer my friendship and my greetings to you in the name of our Lord, and I hope this letter meets you in good time. I have a brain tumour. I suffer terribly at the moment. My doctor just informed me that my days are numbered because of my health, therefore condemned to certain death. Currently, I have exhausted all my savings for my medical care. To this, I would be so graceful and in order to help the poor to give what amounts to said legacy worth 2,700,000 euros to enable you to establish a charitable foundation in my memory. Brad, we're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. We've got 2, two million euros, two, 200 million euros to give to a charitable foundation. Did you give them your donation. bank account details? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've sent off our... our We've we've got a shared bank account, right? Yeah. I've, I've I've sent it all. Oh, did um, I've sent them yours? Is, was it? Did did you have to send that because there was a pigeon in the bank account or something, and she, they had to clean the money first or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah That's so. exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we close out the show, <laughs> it's been a stupid fucking podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, before we close yeah. out the show, Nathan Baroda. Tell you can tell we're in a good mood. Oh yes, Arsenal trivia. When did Stan Kroenke take majority ownership of Arsenal Football Club. Do you know this, Brad? Nah. 2010. April 2011. So if you oh! got that right, congratulations. It's not It's not bad. In well fact, it's not bad. Um, I again, had no clue book. as well. That was pure guesswork and I haven't Googled it. Uh, so uh, the question for next week's episode is, um, uh, what is the name of the guy who plays Gunasaurus? As in, not Gunnosaurus, the guy in the suit. Oh, I definitely right? didn't come up with that. Yeah, I definitely. That- are you not? You, well, I didn't come up with a question. You did, mate. So, <laughs> Brad, I'm pretending that 
Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get this section to work, and you're not helping. Just lie. <laughs> Just act. Just act, Brad. You're an actor, right? I've not done oh. that in years, darling. Good pod, as always. Oh, that could, mate. Yeah, mate. That took it out of me. Getting up before twelve p.m. to watch a an Arsenal game. <laughs> Killer, mate. Taking out of me. Um, right, I'm off to get my two and a half million euros. Um, have a good evening. Thank you, my friend. And we will see you for talking points during the week because we don't have a game until Burnley. We don't. So we'll see you for talking points. See you then. And uh, it'll be a pleasure. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.